0: Hey, I'm Ryan, and welcome to another episode of the Playing High Stakes Poker Podcast. Everything you've always wanted to know about playing from mid to the highest stakes. This podcast is brought to you by Poker Rags, we dress poker players. Pokerrags sells comfortable clothing that's smart, funny, cool, and good for the game. Go to pokerrags.us. Today in the show, we have Brazil God, a prop trader and poker player. You may have seen him on several live streams, including Hustler Casino Live and The Lodge. Enjoy my conversation with Brazil God. Brazil God, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks,
1: Ryan. It, I really appreciate it. Uh, glad to be here
0: it's uh really fun having you on i've seen you on a lot of the live streams or at least hustler and lodge so far that i've seen um i've seen you gambling it up i've seen you in some bigger games where you're where you're maybe trying a little bit harder um sure. and, and, and having that mix of play but before we get into poker uh what's the background on your nickname
1: yeah so um God is the screen name I use actually dating back to college uh, for my fantasy football name. Um, You know, when I was in college, uh, I guess when I left college is when I started playing fantasy football in 2009. And we, you know, me and a group of college buddies, we still have a fantasy league until this day. Um, And that was my name, uh, Brazil God. And then Um, as far as the name in poker goes uh, when we had the pandemic um, and you know everybody was joining apps and joining you know the online variant of poker uh, that was my kind of uh, first screen name and I it was funny because you know when I would run bad I would change my name I would you know I made it you know one trainer and, and, you know, uh, but, you know, I, I played around with it, but I just came back to, you know, to my old screen name and I just kind of kept it. And, you know, and then it became kind of, a, um, you know, when I would sit and join people were like, Oh, you know, the God is here. And, and, um, and it became kind of a thing. And now I just, uh, you know, I, I have, I've been a couple of players in my casino have come up to me and they refer to me as you know Brazil God and they don't know my name. Um, but uh, which which is you know it's kind of funny now that it's uh you know it's kind of stuck, but uh, yeah, that's the origin of the name and uh, yeah, I think I'll just keep it for for a little bit.
0: That's great. And when did you get into poker? How did you get get into it? When did you start playing?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a trader full time. Uh, that's my primary um, income. And, uh, you know, in trading, especially when I joined. Um, so I've been a professional trader for almost 11 years. Um, a lot of people from trading came from poker or vice versa. They started off a career of trading and they played, you know, poker for a hobby or whatever. And I had never really played poker. Like I, you know, I don't, you know, I never played in Thanksgiving with my family and, you know, I never got really introduced to the game in high school or whatever. So I, I, I knew the rules from playing it a couple of times in college, but, I didn't really know the rules like i didn't know like the hand signals to check or you know whatever so um you know one day i i go to the casino with a buddy of mine um and we went to the horseshoe in indiana which is right right outside of chicago about a you know a 20 minute drive from downtown chicago maybe maybe slightly more um and the first game that I played was a 1-2 game. And like I said, I had, you know, no idea what I was doing. Not that I have a ton of idea now, but, but um, you know, I, I lost, you know, I think I lost like 400 bucks. And I remember thinking, like, what a joke, you know, like, 400 bucks, that's like, you know, that's, that's really silly. And especially since uh, I didn't really gamble much back then. Um, On like virtually anything, you know, um, you know, when I would go to Vegas, it would be very occasionally for, you know, maybe a birthday or a bachelor party or something. And when we would gamble, we would gamble like very small, maybe like 25 bucks a hand on blackjack or whatever. So I wasn't used to having, you know, multi hundred dollar swings or thousand dollars, you know, thousand dollar swing. Um, But I really enjoyed the table was really funny and. I went back, and uh, you know, I was chasing my loss, and of course, I lose a thousand dollars now. Um, and you know, and that's when I was like, "Man, this is crazy! Like a thousand bucks. This is, you know, this is like a flight to, you know, virtually anywhere." Um, you know, that's that's crazy. I could have gone to the movies for, you know uh 20th of, of, of the price right so uh, that that's how i started i started playing you know literally one dollar two dollar and you know i think a lot of times when people play poker and they lose x amount uh it doesn't necessarily have to do with how much they can lose right i mean i could have lost a lot more than that but um but it's kind of like what they're comfortable losing and what you know, kind of like their relationship to the game in general. Uh but that, you know, so I started at one two. And then of course, uh within, you know, maybe two or three, maybe, you know, maybe four times of going to the casino, I uh, moved up to two five after uh, uh booking my first win at one two. Um I was I was ready. <laughs> uh, and yeah so I you know then I played two five and then i eventually started playing five ten uh not because i was having uh, great results but just because i was kind of getting used to what was going on um yeah and then you know the tournament side uh i could never you know if i could go back i would have started in tournaments you know because uh it would have saved me thousands and thousands of dollars early in my poker journey because uh, I think you can still have a few hours of fun on a fixed buy-in like a tournament, right? Um, especially if you don't know anything, um, because you know you can always go all in and you know get lucky and get more of a stack and and you know the variance in tournaments is so much higher which means, you know, uh, a player who's more unskilled can get lucky. And, um, you know, I think that that's what I probably should have done, but I did not take that round. I just went, uh, started to play, uh, you know, bigger and bigger. Once I kind of felt comfortable with the game, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I, I started, I started just going into the casino, um and then there was one a small private game that i played it was a uh, you know one dollar two dollar game um you know i didn't play that for too long but you know and in, in fact i didn't play much uh home games to begin with until uh the pandemic actually
0: and how long how many months or years, what did it take for you to move up from that one, two game you were playing to the higher stakes you're playing now?
1: That's a good question. So um, I think it's best to split up like pre pandemic and post pandemic. Um, so pre pandemic, I started moving up and playing 5'10, uh, you know, often 5'10, 20 uh, at the Horseshoe. Uh, And that was kind of the biggest game that ran. And, you know, like I mentioned, I just moved up and played it because the social scene was so much better, right? The, you know, the rags were all kind of, you know, friends with each other and, and, and all the recreational players, you know, were typically more successful in life and they, you know, were more pleasant to sit around for, you know, 10, 12 hours, you know, whatever it is. And yeah, I started to play that now. um, Very, you know, a a very good time in my life. It was a lot of fun, bad for the wallet, uh, at least initially, you know, back then. And I actually didn't start to learn poker strategy or, you know, like anything about poker um, till right up before the pandemic. You know, I was just like, okay, I got to start learning a little bit about this game, you know. Uh, because it's not, I can't just use it as a pure you know gambling outlet. Um, so the so the biggest and and right before the pandemic, like the last, you know three months or so before the pandemic, the games actually got kind of big at the horseshoe. Well, big for the time. We started playing 10, 20 forty, sometimes 20 forty with occasional 80s, but you know, mostly, uh, you know, three days a week, you could be guaranteed to find 10, 20, 40 at the horseshoe. Um, and then the pandemic hit. And um, <clears throat> and now, actually, we all started playing smaller. Uh, we started playing, uh, you know, 3, 6, 12 on an app, and then an occasional 5, 10, 20 on an app. You know, kind of the same group of, of guys. um And then it kind of just escalated, right? I think, um, you know, there was like a, you know, a few different groups that had a few different bigger games, um, as far as the online stuff goes. I started to play them, I started doing okay in them. Um, And shortly after the pandemic started, we started a live game in a private location uh, uh, between, you know, friends. Um and you know I think the fact that people had a lot of time on their hands and uh, you know a high willingness to gamble, uh, the blinds just got bigger and bigger. Um and then you know with the advent of of the streams, right? The streams got really big after the pandemic, right? So pre pandemic. Um, it was really only live of the bike that had a, a stream, or at least a stream that people watched. Um, but that was kind of behind the paywall too, um, unless you were watching it live, right? If you're watching it live, you could, um, uh, yeah, you know, you you could watch the games. But if you uh, if you wanted to just go back and watch a session, you had to, you know, I think it was behind a paywall, just like poker goes now. But once Hustler Casino, um, once they, you know, once they became a thing and they just started running, you know, bigger and bigger games, I mean, you know, right now at the Hustler, I I think, you know, I think I'm right. I think the smallest game there is 102040, right? That's the smallest game on stream that you can play. And and often there's straddles in that game that make it bigger too. And then anything else during the week is going to be a bigger game. Um, And, you know, so that was, I think they kind of started a year into the pandemic, Um, you know, so like everything post-pandemic got bigger and bigger, you know, all these app games, all these online games. Um,
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's, a time for players when they they first start out playing usually it's just one two one three whatever it is just the lowest limits and uh, maybe they start in a home game or something like that with friends and then usually they venture into the casino and then and then try the one two or one three or whatever it is and then you know move, moving up in stakes maybe go up to two five and then However, that journey kind of goes, usually it's kind of similar for most people. And then there comes a point where people decide, okay, I really want to kind of start taking this seriously, and start tracking all my results and maybe do a little bit of studying. Or I want to go the other way and not track my results at all and just, you know, if I win, I win. If I lose, uh, you know, I lose. But maybe if you win, you you go out and spend, spend some money or take a trip or whatever the case is. How do you, those are the, and not to put every player in those two specific boxes, but that's kind of what I've seen and experienced a little bit. How do you feel about that tracking results and and those type of things? um, And how did you deal with that coming up?
1: Yeah, sure. So I agree. I think there's kind of like two paths to how people play poker, you know, at least initially, like why they get into poker. I think on one hand, people get into it because of the game, the strategy aspect of it, where it's like, where you know i think if you have kind of good results from the beginning and uh it, you know let's say that my trajectory to poker was a little different and the first time i played i won 400 bucks and then i won 1000 bucks instead of you know uh you know just going there to gamble and, and losing it um i don't know if it would have happened to me but maybe like I would have been really enthralled in the strategy and, okay, how can I win a thousand bucks again or whatever? And, you know, try to learn more. Um, But, you know, I agree with you. I think people either go in it for the gamble or they go in it for, um, for the actual strategy of the game. Right. Um, For me uh, it was definitely the former, you know, I was, you know, because my style of training is so statistical-based and technical. Um, you know, I'm training based on, you know, math models and, um, you know, and, and statistics. Uh, poker was just kind of like a social thing that was fun. I didn't track anything. And when I used to try to track something, I would do it until I had like a string of losses and then I would just stop, you know, this is... Depressing to look at. I just don't track anything. Um, Then a little bit before the pandemic, I decided like, okay, um, you know, if I want to keep playing this game, uh, I got to get better at poker, right? Because it's, you know, poker is a really expensive, you know, hobby for most people, Um, especially at the higher stakes. If you don't, at least try to get better, right? Um that's
0: exactly right.
1: You know, I mean if you just take like like you know, I don't know, like you take a five ten game um and and like let's say that you know the biggest loser, I mean not even the biggest loser, but like a loser in the game um is losing a hundred bucks an hour at a five ten game. Um I- I'm talking about live poker. I know that online has like Big blinds per hundred, or yeah,
0: we'll just stick with live for now. Yeah,
1: so some metric like that. I'm not, uh, I'm not really sure, but um, because I've never actually played, you know, online, online. I've played, you know, the app games, but uh, but anyway, so, um, you know, say you lose a hundred bucks an hour at 510 and you play two days a week, uh, and the average session is 10 hours or something. You're losing a thousand dollars every time you play times two, that's two thousand bucks a week, times four, that's eight thousand dollars a month, times twelve. You're at a hundred K you know post tax money that you know you are losing. And that's just you know, again, assuming you know, twice a week, assuming that's it's just a hundred bucks an hour, like obviously we know that. You know, sometimes at a five ten game, there's straddles, and you know it can make the loss per hour be higher. So it, it's a really expensive hobby, and you know you can do the math with two five also, and just you know like divide the numbers by two. Or um, so I, I I decided, you know, look, I can either find another hobby because I don't want to like you know like I don't want to just. You know lose or be break even or or right you know kind of being that thing or you know i can find another hobby or i can like at least like try to get better right um and because i was so uh into the game uh, not just from uh, a lifestyle right where i was playing two to three days a week uh, but also from like a social setting, you know, like I formed some close friendships with, um, with, with a lot of players that I played with actually, um, uh, you know, so then I started to, you know, learn poker and get, you know, a, a little bit better in poker. And, and, you know, after the pandemic, when games went private, um, a private game typically is softer than a public game, right? I mean, it kind of makes a lot of sense. And for the stakes that we were playing or, you know, are playing still today, that makes a huge, huge difference. Right. I mean, even today I'm drawing dead and, you know, 10, 20, 40 at Bellagio or, you know, know, whatever at the win, Right. Or, um, but in a private game for those stakes, I'm, I'm doing fine. Right. I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to be doing okay. You know, I, uh, but, but yeah, I, and, and so for, for me just to, you know, kind of su- summarize, I think, you know, I got into game for the gamble, but um, there was a transition period where I was like, okay, uh, now I have to kind of learn the strategy of the game. And, and, um, and what I found, and especially like in a fun private game atmosphere you can do both you know you can still play a high variant style of poker where you're gambling where you're where you're you know driving a bunch of action um where you're having fun with people at the table like i love to just joke at the table with everybody and um you know i trolled the entire time uh so you, you can still do that um and know do okay at poker um if you kind of like know what you're doing and the strategy aspect of poker uh, is actually really interesting um you know uh you know it's it's uh you know i think i think it's a lot of fun um so yeah Yeah, when
0: when i when i've seen you on stream i've that's one thing that struck me is be you being able to have a lot of fun and, and just chat with everyone and gamble it up and joke around um, and but also play good in some spots play play well in some spots I saw you on the Hustler Max Payne Monday stream um, oh, which it looked painful. like you were just having a lot of fun
1: that was too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then I saw you on uh I don't know a couple other much bigger games at hustler and Lodge um but it looked like you were also having fun that 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 was one of my questions is how do you balance that uh being good for the game and having fun and also trying to win and and try and try to play well strategy wise
1: yeah so I don't do a great job doing that um however I uh I I have a much better emotional control as far as like, you know, tilt and, and, and uh, and what should be done in a given spot, right? Like I might not know like, oh, a solver bets one third pot here instead of half pot or, you know, instead of full pot, um, you know, I, I might not know that, but I, I do know like, okay, like, we kind of like this board is better for a range we kind of want to be betting or you know this is a better card for them they have more you know uh straights than we do and you know uh, it's okay to check here um you know so I have like a a pretty you know and again it's it's relative to my competition not you know relative you know if you Gave me a poker quiz on this. I'm you know, I, I don't know how well it would do. But um and, and I guess the the way that I balance it is kind of like uh you know, I want to make sure I'm doing both, but in certain situations, like one might be more important than the other, right? So, like, like you know, say you were um a good friend of mine and you, you know, you just played two-five and you came and you know, visited me in Chicago and you're like, Hey, I, you know, we should go out and play, you know, a few hours of poker together. And we were going to set up a two-five table, for example. Um, My focus is just going to be on having a good time, right. On having fun, on, on, on gambling it up, you know, the stakes, you know, don't matter at all. Um, Right. I just want to make sure that, you know, everyone at the table, has fun and, and, uh, and if I win great and if I lose, you know, it's not, you know, that bad, but if I'm at the hustler and I'm playing 100, 200, 400 with a $400 any, or with a $200, any, um, you know, the biggest game that I've ever played, uh, I'm going to try to do well, you know, and, um, you know, I'm going to try to like, make sure I'm playing all the spots kind of. okay Um, but I'm still gonna, you know, gamble it up um, when I see a spot that is worthwhile going for. It. Um, I just can't shake that. You know, I, there was a session um, that, that I played a hustler, a one, two, four, where post stream I five bet Jungle with ten nine suited. Uh, and, you know, and, and Jungle Man's one of the world's best players or at least historically has been um and there's no reason for me to five bet 10-9 suited versus him you know and, uh, but i just you know i saw a good spot to do it and it you know it, it turned out to be maybe not the greatest spot because he had kings but um but yeah you know we still we still won the hand uh you know so i i guess just to answer your question it you know, I think the balance, it's a lot easier to have that balance when you have a proper understanding of the strategy needed to beat your opponents. Um, it's a lot easier to kind of like, you know, uh, control that a little bit, right? Now, poker still has a bunch of variants. It still has sick beats, all that stuff, so... It's never gonna be perfect, but I just want to make sure that no matter what game I play, that I'm having fun um, and and that I'm uh, you know not just you know punting you know money.
0: Yeah and that one 100 200 400 game what was what did you buy in for that game? I bought it for 100 grand. okay and that's the the biggest you played so far.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest I've played so far. Now you know, we've had, you know, um, I help run uh, a private game at Rivers Casino in Chicago, where we start off the game 25, 25, 50, you know, a three blind game. And by the end of the night, it gets to 25, 50, 100. And occasionally there'll be straddles to 200 and straddles to 400 on, you know, one or two orbits or whatever just you know very you know sparingly um but that's different than playing you know 100 200 400 where stacks are all deep um where people are comfortable playing those stakes where occasionally there might be a straddle to 800 right it it changes a lot um
0: yeah and the tape that i've seen i haven't seen all of your spots on the streams but I watched a bunch of them and I've I've seen them over over the months and I haven't really seen you tilt uh, in a big way. Um, in fact, it's been more of the opposite. The, the clips I've seen where you, you just seem really relaxed. You seem like you really go with the flow. It, is that, am I perceiving that right? And do you think that's a function of your trading background? Do you think it's a function of not playing over in way in over your head like a, lo- a lot of people do? Um how do you how how do you actually sure uh, yeah.
1: Sure. So um I don't think it's a function of my trading background because when I started playing and I was, you know, moving up at stakes, even though I probably shouldn't, as far as you know, like like there was no reason I should have gone to two five to five ten. You know, I I, I didn't I couldn't even like beat two five, you know. So um and and it was because i just had severe tilt issues right i was just like you know the gamble was so big that you know i was just like well fuck it yeah here here we go
0: i think that's uh, common for a lot of people
1: yeah yeah sure uh but now um you know like i said pretty much since i started to like actually learn about the variance of poker or learn about the like how mathematically you can be fogged for a while if, if stuff doesn't go your way you know i mean you know just walk. you know when you walk by the casino look at the historical numbers on a roulette wheel right just like you know they have you know they have the board up or, or you know you walk by a baccarat table and you see you know how many bankers and players that there have been there's random patterns, right? Where it'll be, you know, ten reds in a row at a roulette table, right? Or you know, ten bankers in a row at at, at a you know a Baccarat table, or or more. And just imagine that each one of those is um, queens versus ace king, right? You know, a, a flip, right? And you could lose ten in a row, right? And normally, when people have queens or ace king, they're, you know like pretty oftentimes they're risking their whole stack um yeah so right there you can lose 10 buy-ins in a row just by being really unlucky on flips right uh right you know you just walk through a casino and, and and just look at the board right i mean you know occasionally there'll be a run of of a certain you know color or a certain you know uh whatever and and you know the variance in poker is much more complex than that because, you know, it's not just uh, how your equity holds up all in. It's also like, like you know, when you're bluffing, do you get a good turn card that's good for your range? You know, when um, when you're value betting, do they have a a strong hand but weaker than your hand? You know, and you get paid off, right? um you know all these things contribute to that you know variance that uh, you know was kind of hard for me to realize but now that i realize it 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 is very similar to trading in a way where you know i don't ever really tilt when i trade you know pretty much never and it's because um you know i understand the mathematics behind um you know my trading strategy and and kind of what I want to do, what I want to, you know, uh, accomplish with my strategies, and you know it is a lot harder for at least for me to tilt in trading than it is in poker. Like like in poker, I still feel the the itch sometimes. I just don't really act on it. Uh, much you know i i think everybody tells to a certain degree i just try not to i just try to tell less than my opponents right Um,
0: yeah no i I think that all those answers make a lot of sense one thing you brought up earlier is just about the math as far as if you're losing x amount of buy-ins and you play twice a week and that can really add up etc one thing i often think about is how slow live poker is sometimes um sometimes it just seems so much slower when you're stuck too <laughs> doesn't it yes uh, and, and that you're like okay dealer hurry up and when someone's tanking even for just a very short time you're like let's let's go let's go you're thinking that in your head at least but uh you know sometimes I often think about just how okay if you're playing a couple times a week and maybe you're playing five to eight hours in session or what, what however long it is And as you mentioned, do you have to get uh, lucky in those flips and in certain spots. And so where I'm going with this is just, if you have such a small sample size as it is, uh, and you can only put in so much volume, then it seems to me that you you really, people do make a choice in that sense too of, okay, I'm, I'm gonna cap it to once a week or twice a week, whatever it is, I'm gonna put in the, the time and maybe it's going to take me t- two or three years to get up to a thousand hours to really see a sample size or however long it is. Right. Or I'm going to kind of double down on this and maybe play two, three, four times a week. And, and I, cause you have to put in more volume there to be able to realize your edge and get out of those spots. How do you think about that?
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, I, uh, you know, I have kind of the opposite uh, problem, I guess, which I I think kind of helps me in the till aspect. Where you know, live poker is slow. You're stuck. You know, you're waiting. You know, you get impatient, and then you know, start doing something crazy. Uh, with me, it's like, and you know, and, and people want to play all night if they're stuck, right? You know, they want to get it back. You know, all all this stuff. With me, it's kind of the opposite. With me, it's like. Now, because I play so often, um, you you know, like on a combination of, you know, an app and I play live poker twice a week uh, because I play so, so often, like when I'm stuck, I don't really want to play that much. I just kind of like, oh, screw this, I got to go watch a movie or, or I'm going to, you know, go to dinner with a friend or you know, whatever it is. Uh because, you know, this is not this is not my night. This is, you know, this is silly. And then when I'm up, I just feel like, okay, great. You know, I have I'm up, I, I I'm I'm playing better than I was. I can, you know, I can get bluffs through now because I have a big stack and people are respecting me and they think I'm running well. Um and I just enjoy playing a lot more when I'm winning, you know? And so I just want to keep playing (laughs) and, and uh, you know, so I don't have that kind of, like, I don't have that same view, right? Where it's like, you know, it's a limited sample size, games really slow when you're playing live and, you know, you want to kind of get it all back. Um, As far as the variance goes with like small sample and stuff like that, you know, for, for me, I, I play a private game to on an app um i just play it you know before i go to bed you know for you know a few hours or whatever like if i don't have much to do um and so i feel like i get my fix in terms of you know the number of hands i'm playing and, and stuff like that um you know so
0: yeah I, th- I think that definitely makes sense i think that's a healthy attitude as you mentioned if if it's just not your night, you go do dinner, watch a movie, or whatever the case is. And some people want to just play play a twenty four hour session and get that money back. Oh, I understand I sometimes if people think it, this is a really good game, or I'm a favorite in this game, then then they want to keep playing, which I understand that too. But I I really um, see your point about that the other side of the coin there where. That can be a even a healthier attitude is to uh, is to just, just quit for the day and do something else and come back fresh. Yeah. Recently, Hustler announced a, a one million dollar game. It's pretty big news. It's going to be really exciting. Do you have any aspirations to play in something like that and uh, and maybe get staked or whatever the case is one sure. day? Or are you are you happy yeah. playing where you are? That's a good
1: question, and and actually, it was something I was discussing yesterday um so I, I did get invited to that game um uh ryan uh he did extend out an invitation and i told him you know i you know i would need to raise eight hundred thousand, 000 you know and and then i could that i could play um and i actually don't know how feasible it is for me to raise that um you know i haven't ever tried to, you know i'm not like a professional poker player um i do think i would be a favorite in the game but uh i you know, you know i i've never like sold even close to that kind of action i've you know had friends you know sweat me you know with small sweats when i play on stream and stuff but um you know as far as like a, you know that that would be a substantial Uh, not only amount of money but a percentage of money that i would want to sell to feel comfortable playing that game Um, and as far as if i do have aspirations to play it uh, i i think so yeah i i I think it would be really really neat um you know it's so cool uh just like you know the million dollar buy-in a million dollars is so much money um it's so exciting and the game is really deep it's 501k so you're sitting, you know, a thousand big big lines deep. Um, you know, it would be like if everybody bought in, you know, 10 grand at a five ten game. You know, it's it's a it's a deep game. Um, probably gonna be a lot of fun. The characters I've played with play with most of the lineup uh that is gonna be playing um that game and and you know i know a few of the people very well on a personal level too uh you know so uh, yeah i i would certainly like to play but but as far as like um all that stuff is concerned right you know i i just i don't know how how you know i'm a little scared right i don't know how comfortable I would be like, you know, say I even like raised, you know, the 800,000 and I felt pretty comfortable taking 20% of myself and, and, and playing, I don't know that I would feel great if I lost my friend's money, especially that quantity of money. Right. And, 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 and therefore I don't know how I would play, you know, I don't know. I would certainly play a little tighter, but that might not be better. You know, my style is, you know, a little looser, a little more aggressive, putting people in spots. And, you know, and so I'm not sure that I would like, from a poker standpoint, have as much fun or be able to play the way I would want to play. I I want to say yes. I want to say that when I get more comfortable, I I would. Uh, but I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I wonder if there's a way you could sell uh, kind of do the crowdfunding model model where you're selling a lot of very tiny pieces on something like state Kings, but then you're, you have a few people taking some larger chunks, some, some friends and closer people to you or something, but that'd be quite a large amount to raise
1: yeah i think i could but it's i just think it's so much work and i and i and and again you know i i always come back to the fact like i play recreationally i you know it's not that long ago that i was playing one dollar two dollar um you know not not that i want to go back to those days but but i always keep that in mind you know like like you know i'm doing this for for fun i want to make sure it's fun and and doing all that behind the scenes crowdfunding and you know texting back and forth like you have this piece you have this getting the logistics for the money together out there um uh it's just you know it's a bit too much uh you know it at least right now you know yeah
0: well maybe in the future i mean you you did you did have an invite to the game so that's i think that's the first step right (laughs) um recently there is a businessman talking about just his edge in poker basically he was just explaining how you know he's not as obviously not as good as the pros he plays with um and you know he doesn't study pile solver and gto and and some of those things and he he's done a little bit of studying and he enjoys the game but his real edge is he's an you know he does it for a hobby and he tries to put uh you know put in the best decisions he make the best decisions he can um and put some people in really tough spots and if it doesn't work it doesn't work and he goes home and goes back to his day job type of thing and it's that's his edge and it's it's not a, a huge edge compared to the the pros and the grinders but it gives him a, a a fighting chance how do you think about that um that those comments because I I've been really thinking a lot about that, that lately. Um,
1: wait, can you rephrase
0: it? How, how do I? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Let me rephrase. Basically, basically, when you're playing playing for fun and playing for a hobby, you your edge is that you, the money doesn't matter to you, and uh, when you're playing against someone who's playing. Uh, for a living, and or maybe they really need the money. Then you know you can really put them to the test, and yeah, and you can sure. have a big edge cool. that way.
1: Okay, yeah, I understand the question. So, um, I don't think there's that much edge in in you know, uh, you know, in taking a rec player and saying like, oh, I don't care about the money, so I'm gonna put this guy who does care about the money, um, in in all these spots there, if it mostly depends on the pro, if they're playing a game that's like comfortable for their stakes, uh, for, for their bankroll and their win rate and whatever Right. So if you're playing somebody who's been, you know, like say, say you're playing a high stakes game and you know, Jason Kuhn is your opponent or, or, you know, I, I, haxton or you know phil ivy you know whatever right all these guys that have played those stakes and have been a super pro for for years and years and you want to put them to the test well they're gonna pass that test okay like like (laughs) right they're gonna they're gonna pass the test like maybe you get a big bluff through or whatever but but they will pass the test right they're used to they're used to and comfortable playing those stakes you know like yes maybe they don't have as much money as you um Or maybe they do i don't know but 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 yeah they'll they'll pass that test you know i i do think the edge comes from um when people are sitting deep in any given game um and especially like pros who are only sitting deep uh only to cooler somebody only to snipe somebody in a big pot right they're not actually sitting deep to use that whole stack right it's kind of like you know if they're you know if if it's like you know a 50 100 game and they're sitting you know 40 50 kd um, you know maybe 10 20k bits in play right and 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 the other 30 is there for you know insurance if if they need to cooler somebody right um but they're, but they're not interested in getting into big pots with one pair of hands right like like you know unless it's aces preflop right you know, they don't, they don't like, that's not why the money is there. Right. So I think when you identify spots um, versus those people that are, you know, grinding and trying to make a living and they, and they're sitting deep with the intention of only using half of that stack to, to, uh, to cooler people. And that half is not really in play. Um, I think that, you know, your, your edge comes from, you know, making them play a much bigger pot than they would want to play with that part of their range or, or that hand that they have right um so like you know if you get you know here's a spot right where it's like you know you open you know day three bat you call and the flop is like you know eight four five or something right where it's like you know they probably don't ever have six seven for a straight, they probably don't have any sets have a pocket fives, pocket fours, pocket eights. They probably don't have any two pair, like four or five suited. Um, you know, so, uh, but they, but they do probably have a lot of over pairs, right? They have jacks, they have queens, they have kings, they have aces. Um, even hands that aren't pairs might have a lot of equity, like two overs, maybe ace, king or something. Um, uh, but let's say that they that they see c- bet queens and you raise the flop, and you know they you're know, like okay I probably have the best hand I have queens, um, and then you they check and you bet the turn, and now you, you know you make a big overbet on the turn and now they're like oh god you know this is you know a lot of them are just holding right there and there, right they're like okay I just ran into it. He's got two pairs, he's got a set, he flopped a straight. And even when they call, because, you know, they're like, theoretically, I have to call. Then on the river, when you just, when they check and you put them to the test, it that, like, that is your edge, you know, because now, now they're just not calling, not not frequent enough to where that's not a, a winning play, right? Because, again, they don't want to put in – like, you know 500 big blinds with one pair it's not it's not why they're there you know they want to um uh yeah like like, like they they want to grind their you know, few big blinds per hour and, and go home right so i think that that's where the edge comes from but but i do think it. you have to be careful in saying i have more money than this person or this person in this game and therefore i have a big edge and poker doesn't really work like that if it did you know the billionaires in the games would just have all the edge right um and that's that's not the case right
0: yeah and how do you feel about or how do you like playing strategy wise compared to as far as buying in short and playing that more of a pre-flop style, kind of more tournament style versus buying in deep and playing really more post-flop.
1: Sure. Well, I'm drawing stone dead buying in short. Um, So I never buy in short. And the reason is because when you buy in short, you kind of have to snipe. You know, you kind of just have to wait patiently, have a good hand, Um, you know, go with it if 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 it favors you fold if it doesn't uh, and it's kind of hard to do that right like it's kind of hard to be sitting there with like you know 70 big lines 80 big lines 100 big lines you know whatever it is in a cash game and have like you know 9-8 suited and no you can't really call a 3-bet or like you know like it's bad to call a 3-bet and but I'm just never folding it so you know like i'm not ever folding so i'm just gonna call and i'm gonna get a nine high flop and just get stacked right um and so i i don't you know um it's not a style that suits me because i'm not particularly tight pre-flop and um i don't know any tournament strategy i've never looked at a you know like a push fold or a you know a uh what do you call those charts that that's how you what to do like if you should go all in or right right you no know, i i know they they're there for tournaments i i've just never looked at them or or whatever um i've played maybe four tournaments my whole life um and i have exactly zero caches um so so i i uh you know yeah, I, I I don't think that is conducive to my strategy. Um, yeah, so I prefer to buy in deep. Um, I prefer to to you know w- when you buy in deep, you just have so many more weapons at your disposal. You know, like you can you can check raise and not be all in. You can um, you can bluff rivers. You can you know like if you're short, there is no river bluffing. It's you're all in by the turn in a lot of live games that I play because yeah, so many hands go multi-way, you know. So by the turn, you're you're all in, you know, and and that's great if you are the kind of player that you have a stronger hand than your opponents a lot. Um and I, I am I'm just not that you know, and I've tried like like okay, great. I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna tighten up here, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really tight. And then I just can't do it I, I just don't have a lot of fun playing and, and and yeah it's just you know i you know i do think like for bigger games and stuff like yeah i you gotta be disciplined and not play trash and all that stuff but uh but yeah like even for the bigger games i just you know i don't think buying in short is a strategy that will that suits me very well
0: yeah yeah i, li- I like that answer i d- the the fact that you say that you're limited in the tools um, really makes a lot of sense because you're you're down to you trim out those two or three tools as you mentioned and you're kind of down to that that on-off switch um, oftentimes pre-flop and it's it's definitely a lot different strategy that way. What do you think about the heads-up challenges that we're seeing the the big one right now? We've seen them in the past too. What do you think of these challenges in general, and would you ever play heads-up?
1: Yeah, I would play heads-up with almost anybody. Um, So, you know, I hope people listening uh, send me DM requests, because I really enjoy heads-up. I think it's the most pure form of poker. Um, You know, it's the most tilt-inducing, because you you know, if you get cooler or, like, you know, you get owned in a hand, you have to play the next hand, right? You can't go for a walk. You can't – well, I guess, I guess that, you know, the heads-up match that's going on, there's a lot of breaks. Uh, but, uh, you know, jokes aside, like, it it kind of settles stuff right there and there, right? You, know, you just play heads-up with somebody. Um, so I really – enjoy those challenges. You know, I really enjoyed when Doug Polk played uh Daniel Negreanu. And, and I watched some some of that. Um and I thought it was it was it was really cool. And you know I'm a big UFC fan also. And the thing I like about the UFC, you know, yes, I enjoyed to watch you know watching them fight, but I really like the fact that you know, they can talk trash. They can, you know, they can do whatever they want for self, you know, marketing. But when they fight in the octagon, it's the, the score subtle, you know, and um, I really like that aspect of, you know, the heads up stuff, you know. And yes, there's variance and yes, there's luck and yes, it's poker. It's not chess, right, where the best player is going to win every time um and that's what makes it beautiful you know it's it's you know i i'm a i'm a big fan um of what's going on in poker right now with all the you know the challenges of the duels and, and and i i like the trend i think it's a it's a fun trend
0: i love that answer and speaking of chess do you play any chess at all
1: i haven't played chess since i was I don't know, a teenager or something. Um you know may, maybe I've played a handful of times since then that I can't really remember right now. Uh, but I I enjoy it. Uh I tried actually you know that's a lie. I, I tried playing online um on like you know kind of like a free site. I think it was maybe chess.com or something. I I I can't really recall. Um but I just got smoked. I I played, you know, like you know the the entry level people that are playing chess, and I just got destroyed. Uh, So I just didn't play again. Uh, So yeah, I really enjoy playing chess. Uh, I don't think I'm very good though. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah. I was just curious. Um, uh, Sometimes I think about just how much variance poker has, and it's kind of the complete opposite in chess there yes. may be there there's some variants there but hardly any um so so I often think about that and I often think about how there's no usually no money at stake i obviously in chess tournaments that you can win money it's just a lot different you're not you're not betting every time you move the pieces there's just there's so many differences but obviously there are some similarities so yeah fair um so just in kind of closing here i had a couple kind of more personal questions one on the on a bet you recently made and then we talked a little bit about trading but um as far as trading versus poker what do you think are some of the similarities and maybe some of the differences or misconceptions because people do often talk about how traders uh play poker and you alluded to this too um but what do you think uh, as far as misconceptions and similarities
1: sure i think um you know, I think the biggest similarity is, you know, having a logical, being a logical person or being a math oriented person is very, very beneficial to both. Um, and, you know, yes, like the math in trading, um, at least the type of trading that I do, which is, you know, high, high frequency day trading based on statistical models. Yes, that math is more complex than math and poker, which, you know, math and poker is basically, you know, high school math, right? And the math I deal with in training is maybe college math, but not not too advanced either. You know, you kind of stop at, you know, linear algebra. Um, You know, so, you know, having a logical background really helps and it's similar in both. Um, the other thing that's kind of similar is a winning strategy, um, a winning strategy will, uh, will make money in both, assuming that you have, uh, the sample needed. Um, so for example, like in trading, right, you can say like, Hey, this stock is undervalued right and so i'm gonna buy and then the next day is slower and you buy more and let's say that you're right that the stock is undervalued eventually it'll come back to being fairly valued right and uh, but but you have to make sure you have enough capital and you have you know your hold period is such that you you capitalize on that and in in poker it's the same way right you know you're like hey i um, i have an edge or you know and and or, like, you know, maybe you just get in queens versus ace-king, where you're going to be a slight favorite, but you could lose five in a row. But if you keep just playing queens versus ace-king, you will eventually get even, and you will eventually win, because, you know, queens is going to beat ace-king more often. um, Right, but you you just need to make sure you have enough sample size to, you know, to realize that. And so that that's another similarity. Um, the main one, though, is the bankroll stuff. You know, like so many good traders that I have met and certainly, like, you know, have read about throughout time, they've been fantastic, you know, traders that just have gone broke um, or that, you know, their strategy kind of, you know, blew up. And when I think about why that is, you know, it's because of, of, you know events that they didn't foresee but that were mathematically probable even if it's like to a very small percentage um and now that they're now that they blow up they cannot realize their edge anymore and in poker it's the same right like so much of poker so much of the live poker and i'm sure it's some online too but i i don't have enough experience with online to comment on it but Certainly with live poker, right? A lot of the players that you see playing high-stakes poker, even the pros, you know, especially the pros, that, that you know, you're like, oh, this person made millions of dollars playing, you know, high-stakes poker or whatever. For every one of those guys, there's, like, two or three that had, like, a really similar skill level, um, but just, like, variants kind of went against them earlier in their career, and they never like you know build the bankroll to keep going and and you know realize that edge later in their careers and and some of them just probably went you know busto right they had the skill level they had they had everything but they just go bust um so you know that those two things are really similar in program trading um I think the main difference um <clears throat> you know there's much more of a social element in poker than trading you know and this is specific to live poker but uh which is not present in trading at all and and in poker you get a lot of positive reinforcement um when you do the wrong thing um for example like if i run a huge bluff on somebody right just because like you know i think they're locked up or you know whatever right and it works and i show the bluff now that's there's a lot of feedback there right a lot of positive reinforcement of like you know what a good read you know like that was really sick that was that was that was a really cool play in trading you know at least not for me like i don't get excited at all when i'm like purposefully making the wrong move with my holdings or positions. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's just like, you know, this is not fun. I, you know, I'm just losing money if I do this. Uh, but in poker, that's not the case. I mean, you know, like my friends always joke, that if I won the lottery, I'd be the sickest whale ever um, <laughs> in poker. And it's true. Like, I would just do so much more of what I already do because of how fun it is to deviate from optimal strategy in poker, right? And in trading, if I won the lottery and I just kept trading, I would just make more money with the same strategy that I run. I mean, I would modify some stuff for the capital, but, you know, and, and I wouldn't just like be a whale and trading it. There's just no, it's just, it's, there's no point. I I, I don't find any benefit in that, you know? So uh, I, I don't know if that answer was too long, but, but, um, you know, I think uh, having done both for a few years now, um, you know, there is a lot of similarities and stuff. And, and I think, but, you know, but I think the main one, you know, the main one is just the logical, rational thought process is one that is like very similar in both, you know, um, and, and I think that that's why people that are very good at poker or very good at trading and they want to become very good at poker or vice versa, they can accomplish it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense how much of trading is instinct and relying on that human element versus um, math models and just algorithms and such
1: uh pretty much zero for me um as far as like the human element goes Uh, i just trade based on like a quantitative model and um i make some discretions but you know, ultimately I just I just trust the process you know and
0: yeah I, I bring it up because I think a lot of people might be surprised by that when they see a lot of information out there on trading <laughs> they, they think it's kind of more the opposite
1: yeah no I I think you know and and I I tell uh people this all the time you know like and you know, I actually stopped talking to people about trading at all at the poker table or or like you know, virtually anywhere because probably smart. Yeah, one I I don't really enjoy it uh, to talk that much about trading because to to have to have a discussion that they will benefit from takes some background of finance or trading or whatever, right? But but occasionally people ask me on you know stock tips or you know some sort of like a, you know investment advice, and I just tell them. Uh, my advice, uh, you know, well, one, my thought on this stock is truly irrelevant because the market can go anywhere and I don't have an edge in looking at just, you know, specific stocks for the holding period that you want to hold, right? So take my advice with a really small grain of salt. Like, I, you know, I I don't know much more than information that you can find on your own. Um, that's number one. But number two, uh, when people are, are like trying to day trade, right? You know, they're like, "Oh, Facebook uh, dropped three percent. I'm gonna buy some at lunch." You know, and they, you know, they'll pull up their phone and they'll buy more. That happens all the time. Okay. Um, my, I had a, a a girlfriend whose father was a doctor, and he would day trade on his phone or iPad in between seeing, you know, his patients. And he would ask me about you know strategy and stuff and I and I was just like, you know you should not be day trading at all. Um, in, in fact, I think most recreational traders should just not trade uh, that's that's the that's the real advice because um, the professionals have way better information th- than you do, way better technology um smarter people working, to solve the problem of you know valuation on what's overvalued, what's undervalued, um, better execution. So when they try to buy a price, you know, they actually get that price where a retail investor or you know a mom and pop trying to you know, buy and hold, they're not gonna get executed on the best price. Um, so they're drawing way that, you know, and I don't care who it is. like, like if I You know, I have been a professional day trader with, you know, positive, you know, results every single year, Um, you know, beating, you know, S&P 500 by multiples every single year. Um, But I would never day trade on my own without access to technology and research um, and algorithms that I have because I would be drawing very, very slim, even though I've been a professional for over a decade, you know, and that's the truth of it. But, but people don't want to hear that. Right. People that are day trading on their phone and they buy, you know, Tesla when it's low and it goes way high and they they're so happy. Um, Right. But, but you don't have an edge. Um, And now, you know, a a counterpoint to that, you know, is some people, especially in poker, that they made a bunch of money in, you know, in crypto or whatever, They'll come up to me and say you know so and so is a multi-millionaire you know whatever because of you know crypto and he was you know day trading whatever i'm like yeah okay great i mean there are people that win the lottery every week right like like in every state people are winning the lottery every single week and there's a lot of those Right, because you know the lottery runs. I think twice a week or maybe more. I I don't even know. Right, but but it occurs very often, and yeah, you're gonna have outliers where people just trade and make a fortune, and they they shouldn't because they don't have an edge. Um, but yeah, I, you know,
0: I yeah yeah I I like that answer, and I think it's solid feedback for people out there. There's a a bunch of follow-up questions I was thinking about there, asking you about IEX, Flash Boys, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds. Maybe I'll have you back another time and we can talk a little bit more about that stuff. But one last industry question. A lot of people are familiar with Renaissance Technologies, also known as Rentech. I read the book. That was really interesting read, uh the man who beat the market. Um do you think that they are just the best? They have the best data, they have the best models. Simply they they are the best. Or do you think and the and the results are real, the 60 plus per, percent returns or do you have uh, other opinions?
1: Uh it's certainly real. And yes, they certainly had the best models and the best, you know, without a doubt. I mean, there's no way, it could be anything else, in my opinion. I mean, you know, uh, Rentech was is a hedge fund started by James S- Simmons. He was a professor at MIT. Um, you know, and <clears throat> back in the day, you couldn't really access you know asset prices online, right? You had you know you went to a library and you got encyclopedias of historical prices and you had to make you know a photocopy of them and then run statistical analysis on it right and people weren't doing that um and so when he started to do that and he started to uh to have strategies and you know and the markets were a lot more efficient or uh, sorry a lot less efficient um you know the models just absolutely crushed it even in, into modern day, uh, because they already had such a leg up on a lot of the quantitative modeling that today is kind of known and standardized, they were implementing it live in the markets before anybody else. Uh, and so, yeah, I think in, in the type of people that they hire uh, are all very, very technical mathematical backgrounds um i think youtube actually there's a documentary on uh renaissance that i think is really uh interesting for people to watch i forget what it's called but um i'm sure a like, quick you know youtube search can find it where even if you're not even if you don't have a finance background you can watch it and just kind of like it's pretty you know fascinating and they've made Billions of dollars.
0: Are you surprised their edge has uh, sustained even even now to this day, even after the market has become? um... Yes,
1: yes. I'm surprised, but I'm not terribly surprised because you know because they they just uh, they hire the best people, right? They hire the best people, and they're already starting off of a a higher platform. If you will, right? They you know they you know it's it's like saying, like, are you surprised that you know Google's still on top of the game on you know the services that they that they do? And it's like, well, no, because Google hires the best people. And so when you have a position of market leadership and you have the best talent, um, you know, you're you're gonna do well. It it would be equivalent of like, if you took the ten best poker players in the world today, and you put them all on a team, and um, and that team just plays you know poker against the market, um, and yes, people are getting better right uh, over time with poker and technologies and solvers and all that stuff, but they're constantly bringing the best poker players into the team. So as soon as somebody from the outside gets very good, they now join the team. And then you know we look back in ten years and we say hey I'll be surprised that that group of guys you know or gals whatever um, is still really good and we would be like no we're not because like, they already they were already the, you know they they were already so far ahead and and they've just continuously gotten better so uh, yeah it's pretty amazing though still
0: amazing. were you surprised at all how the book portray at least the book portrayed Jim this way as far as having that this human element of wanting, calling up and, and wanting to put, take a trade on or off when, when there was some global macro stuff happening and just, and even early on just having a more human element before uh, developing the models and relying on models. Were you surprised at any of that or?
1: No, because, because most models, most financial models are stationary and, uh, and they're unbiased in terms of direction right so um, so when you like make like you know when you make a model like the you know the model doesn't know like you know up is good and down is bad right It's just a math model, right? it just it just it treats up and down kind of equally. Um, however, when there is global macro events that occur, your competitors, their shareholders or their, you know, whether it's a fund or, or, you know, mom and pop, you know, just market participants, they do not act agnostically to news. Right. So for example, like if there's news today, that there's a bomb in the white house, okay. That, you know, they're going to bomb the white house, um, you know, all the equities will sell off immediately. Right. Like, like, you know, the Dow and the, you know, SP will fall 5% right away. You know, even in if, you know, even if the market's not open.
0: Correlations become. Uh, yeah. Break very
1: down. Yeah. So that, you know, all that's going to go real fast. um, And it's going to be asymmetrical to really good news. You know, like, let's say that the best news ever comes out, you know, they cure cancer Tomorrow or whatever, right? You know, uh, you know the best news in the world. It's not going to make stuff go up. You know, it's not going to make the Dow go up 5% right away, right? Um, and because of that asymmetry of information and of knowledge and of market reaction, um, getting ahead of that information and tweaking your models and tweaking your response to the global events, like, that becomes very very valuable if you're able to do that effectively um and, and and it's not really the human element per se it's more so that that they have adjusted to, to the market you know regime very very well so they've effectively ran the same strategy in every market but they've tailored it to, to like you know you like you mentioned you know the human element of of uh you know how are people how is the market going to react to this event and let's just tailor our model this way, you know, but it's still, you know, it's still very quantitative approach, you know, to, to be clear, right. It's not like Jim is sitting there like, well, I'm I'm just going to speculate on this, you know, at least from, from my knowledge, right. I've, I haven't ever worked there, but, but from kind of everything that I know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's how the book portrayed it, the way you, the way you talked about it makes a lot of sense. Thanks for for discussing that and, sure. and deviating from poker a little bit. But let's just close on the weight loss bet that you recently made, and so everyone can uh, kind of root for you here.
1: Oh, okay, great. So I'm down nine pounds um, as of uh, yesterday. I haven't weighed myself today, but um, in the weight loss bet, it's me and four guys. Um, so uh, five of us. We each put in. 20 grand into a pot. So it's effectively a hundred K pot. And each one of us has to lose 20% of our body weight. So for example, I started at three Oh nine. Um, so I have to lose like 62 pounds uh, in seven months, which is by Halloween. Um, the We're almost three weeks in Monday. will be three weeks in. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the the bet and and the winners um or the people that can accomplish that feat, they get to chop up uh that hundred K in the middle. So if just one person accomplishes it, they get the whole thing. Um if everybody accomplishes it, it's chopped up, you know, five ways and, and nobody wins anything. Um you know, if two people accomplish it, then you know. Two people split 50k or whatever so that's that's the bet and it's actually a a very um good bet i think because because multiple people can win and and if only one guy decides to go for it and win you're still out the money anyway so it you know it provides incentive for you to like actually lose the weight so that that's the that's the uh the technicality of the bet, I guess, or the the specs of the bet. Um, And then my strategy uh, has been just to kind of like hire the help that I need. Um, So I got a personal trainer. um, I got supplements. I got uh, a food plan. Um, You know, I've organized my schedule to be able to go work out. Um, you know, so, so it's, uh, yeah. And and if I need to, you know, to hire any more help, uh, I will. Um, and yeah, that's kind of been my approach. Like my approach has been, well, I've tried half-ass to like, you know, take control of this problem in my life for a few years now. Um, and I have been unsuccessful, so you know, now I just get to hire help to help me be successful. And, and who knows if I'll get there, but I'm certainly going to try. You know, That's great.
0: Try- well, uh, best of luck. And um, everyone can root you on and follow along on Twitter. I know you, you make updates on there. So we'll um, be uh, tuning in to see what happens.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I appreciate it.
0: Lastly, just to wrap things up the very last question i plan to ask everyone is have you ever folded kings pre-flop in a cash game
1: yes (laughs) okay Uh, i folded it twice um and i was right at least one of the times because he showed Uh, and the other time i was pretty sure that i was right too although not 100 percent so I folded it twice in my entire life. Um, although I've wanted to fold it uh more times than that. One of the times that I folded was to Phil Hellmuth. Um
0: oh, wow.
1: And is this in
0: a casino? This
1: was in um his online private game. Okay, uh, you know, the one that I was discussing earlier. Uh, so you know he he opens. There's a caller. I squeeze to fifteen hundred. So I think he opens to two hundred. There's like, you know, one caller or maybe two callers. I squeeze out of the, the small blind to fifteen hundred with kings. We're like thirty k effective, and uh, back to Phil, and Phil rips in twenty eight thousand. So now it's to me, and I got to call like, you know, 26K more, uh, roughly, right? And I'm just <laughs> like, what? I was really confused. And and uh, I, uh, you know, I haven't seen him ever play his king like that. And, you know, I, I just go, well, maybe he's got kings also. And, yeah, he maybe he has ace-king suited, and he just doesn't want to. You know, I I didn't really know, and especially back then, this was about a year ago, I didn't know Phil that well. Today I know Phil a lot better, and, you know, we're actually good friends. But, uh, you know, I I didn't actually know how he played that much, you know, know, as far as cash game goes. And I just, my time bank was running out, and I just folded. I I, I folded and I showed, and Mike Mattis, who was in the game too, you know, he... You know, he was like, oh, amazing fold. He just has aces there. You know, how do you fold? But that, that's an amazing fold. And, um, you know, but but that that is the second time I did it. And I am unsure if that was correct because he did not show. And I, I offered, actually, I offered him uh, that I would donate 5K to the charity of his choice if he showed the hand. Oh, wow. And he didn't show um so you know uh maybe he's just not a fan of charity uh no <laughs> i'm i'm kidding uh, but yeah i I'm, I'm pretty sure he had it there too um though not 100 um, percent.
0: well thanks for those little antidotes those are those are fun i i thought it was a good question to close on so sure you think, uh, think you people can learn a lot about how people think about the game especially in big deep spots uh, with those stories but uh, Luis thanks so much for coming on this was uh, really fun yeah
1: no Ryan it was a great time and I hope that I was uh, able to provide some clarity on everything and uh, and yeah I'm always available to uh, chat whenever
0: thanks so much thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show leave a quick review on iTunes with some feedback and give a 5 star rating you can find us on Twitter at playinghs